have this weird Easy. like uh, like vision. At the end of my life, I want to be sat at a mountaintop surrounded by a campfire, roasting marshmallows, surrounded by other people roasting marshmallows around their campfires. And it's all the people that I shared experiences with throughout mm. my life. It's like if I visualize something and sit like, you know, do a little bit of like meditation or something, that's the image that always comes mm. to light. And it's all the people that I've been able to help and then all the people that have helped me just sharing all those memories and all those stories at the end of our lives. Mm. And I think that's just cool as hell. Side note, so I, I almost got Chris Williamson on my podcast as well. Did you? I got it because he started it just before I started mine. Right. I had no idea who he was like at the time and literally just doing sure. research and stuff like that. I was like, oh, this guy's going to do some interesting stuff at the time. And he was just doing it from his, his room at the time. Like if you see yeah. that, he's got like, yeah, like a little green light and stuff like that. At his, his desk. I still think he's used some stuff there, but um, yeah, we were like, we were emailing like back and forth and stuff. And he was a fair bit ahead. I think he was like on episode 200 or something like that. I was on like, I was on right. like 40 or 50. Yeah. Um, I've got in my email still and he wrote me something like, let's chat when you get to a hundred, something like that. And yeah. I think, it, and recently around that time, he was talking about being able to just keep going through the adversity and he likes that. Mm. And I was like, I think he's like testing me out in like a way. Sure. Just like if you get to a hundred, like I'll come on yeah. your show type of thing. Yeah. I stopped the show yeah. anyway, but um, yeah. yeah, I could have. What, what made you decide to stop? It was the understanding that time, as much as I wanted to achieve, like, my if I allocated time to all these different endeavors and that was going to be a big and that was the podcast was growing really really well I had literally had 90% of the guests that I wanted to have on there some big players in the health and fitness space too and they're massive now mm. um about at that point they were they were up and come they were doing really well anyway sure. like they were global coaches and all that sort of stuff but I was able to still get in contact with them yeah but now like no chance there's no chance I'd be getting contact with them because they're at such a big level but it was understanding that if I kept going down this and I was really enjoying it it was taking up a considerable amount of time because most of my guests were international. They weren't in Australia. So it was getting up at crazy fucking hours of the night. Like yeah. I spoke with uh, a guy called Bobby Holland Hansen, okay. who was Chris Hamsworth's body double, yeah. stunt double. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I managed to get onto him. Um, and like, if you look on Chris Hemsworth's story, he's always, always with him. And he managed, he came on the show and that was because he was in the UK at the time. So it was me um, finishing like, Day of, day of work and then going to bed at eight. I got up at 11 mm. for that, shot it for two hours. And then one o'clock, I was like, okay, well, I need to get this up. So I just edited from one, one o'clock onwards. And I was like, it's four o'clock now. I might as well just stay up. Yeah. So that, that took its toll, but not in a way that I couldn't keep doing it. But I was like, if I keep doing this, then I won't be able to act. Sure. Because I just didn't have the capacity to be able to do everything. Yeah. It was still personal yeah. training. It was still trying to develop brand. It was... When to start a family, it was blah, blah, blah. Sure. Um, and I was like, I can't do everything. I was like, what is Naval? I was like, mm. uh, he, I listened to his episode with Joe Rogan at the time. And I was like, he goes, what do you want to be the best in the world? That do that. Nothing else matters. It's because mm. other things will come as a part of becoming the best in the world. I was like, if I was the biggest podcaster in the world, if I was Joe Rogan, would I care? I'd be like, I just couldn't get, I couldn't care less. I just couldn't give a fuck. I was yeah, like, if I was, yeah. Chris Hemsworth or if I was like a Ryan Reynolds type actor mm. I was like would I care I was like yeah that'd be fucking cool as hell I was like that's what I want to do yeah so that's why yeah. I just ultimately I was like because episode 77 I was just like and I had 12 guests 12 13 guests already 
lined up. Yeah, right. I just emailed them and said, hey, look, uh, well, I just, at that point, I said, hey, we have to reschedule for a bit of time in the future, um, reassessing some stuff. And they're like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. They're all cool with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I stopped. Mm. But I think I do want to bring it back at some point down the track. Yeah, right. But down the track in years, down the track. Because I, sure. I want to do something different and something, I want to say, better. It's mm. relatively, now, like, all podcasts are kind of the same like yeah the structure i think um tim ferris and joe rogan were like two big leaders in the podcast space and most yeah. people including like chris williamson went like oh tim ferris's stuff's cool and almost replicated that sure his own little spin and then i think yeah. there's a lot of yeah do the joe rogan thing and then like i don't know if you've seen the show true geordie it's a uk-based podcast gigantic right um but he has a particular like setup and a lot of people start to mimic what he was kind of, and that's what things happen, right? You see something cool, it's interesting, it works, you take it and you put your own little spin and then you run your branch of that mm. out a little bit. Um, so I want to bring it back, but do something, I don't know what it looks like, yeah, by the way, but unique and different because I still really enjoy it. It's just mm. cool. It's having just a, a conversation with somebody and look, just learning and just experiencing somebody else's experiences and memories and thought processes and being able to learn from as many people as possible so mm. i will bring it back down the track but my thoughts were like imagine if i could bring it back as a like an as an a-list actor mm. networks that i'd be able to yeah get into yeah. there be able to get in people in the room that i would never have been able to get in the room mm. if i just did the podcast solely because that's still the goal it's still the thing that i'm the most passionate about so i'm like i can't not do this and i'm so far away. i'm closer now but i'm still so far away from being able to get you know the things that i want to be able to get but back then i had nothing zero i had no experience i'd never done anything i was just like i kind of want to be an actor mm. i was like fuck i've got to spend time figuring this out and actually learning and getting the skill set that i need to be able to be the actor that i want to be because i just don't want to be i never want to get a role which is kind of like i guess uh, hypocritical in a way because I never want to get a role from the way I look which is the way I look is one of the reasons I'll get the role but I don't want to get it just be oh you look away or you fit the role I'm like I want to get there on merit and be like oh you're actually fucking good as well so if I get a role because of the way I look great and then I want someone to watch it be like fuck it's actually good as well Mm -hmm. that's what I sort of want so in the meantime it's just keep my sword sharp just working with as many people as I possibly can as many coaches as I possibly can working with the team um, like well Sam is actually the guy who told me when I first met him we were just chatting with Briggsy at Impact and he was like have you heard a guy called Les Chantre I was like no he goes he'll change your life like go and work with him so I've just been doing a heap of his stuff since that day and he's right mm. just working with the best coaches that you can afford really yeah, um, and yeah. just doing that over time but it'll get there I'll get to a point where it happens I'm like I'm glad I did that we're going to continue going on that conversation because that's like even though there was no start to what we were talking about, I, I, I love that. And I had a couple of questions come up. What have you learned in the process? Because your dream to become an actor has been a long time, long time. So take me back to when you decided that you wanted to become an actor and take me through that journey up until, up until now, because up until now, um you've you've been going ham um but like you said before you're not there yet so take me through that 
take me through that journey leading to leading to now. Yeah, so I guess like my my background was playing professional rugby league, so professional rugby league player in the UK for three years, and that was like since I was seven years old. That's what I wanted to do, and I just decided that one day, like that's what I want to do. Mm. And I signed professionally at sixteen, so however many years that is, like later, um, nine years later, and once I made that decision, it was almost like the contracts had been signed and there was nothing going to stop me from, from getting there. And I didn't know that at the time I was, I was a kid at the time, but I played until I was 12 from seven till 12. I was terrible. Like I was terrible as a player, but I just played with my mate. So I just kind of had fun. Mm-hmm. And I was one of like the bottom ranking players on the, on the team. And then when I was hit 12 years old, for some reason, something just sort of went off in my head. And I asked myself and it came from absolute nowhere. I went, why am I so scared of playing? Because I was terrified of playing against players that were bigger, stronger, and better than I was. And obviously over the years, as you progress, as you hit puberty, you just, everybody gets bigger and stronger and better. And I said, why am I like so afraid of, of this? You know, I'm afraid of getting hurt. I was like, no, am I afraid of, um, I'm afraid of getting a fight. I was like, no, I, was like, I couldn't answer that question. I was like, okay, I've got no logical reason why I should be scared anymore so I just stopped being scared like after a very weird internal conversation with myself when I was 12 and if you look back and speak with players that played in my amateur club like from that year from like 12 till 16 I won every single award at the club at the end of like players player of the year players uh, players player of the year player of the year all that I won every single award every single year for five years running and I just became better and better and better and better and that it was just such a quick little shift that went off in my mind. I was like, I made the decision and then that was it. I was like, that was in, that's inevitable. I'm going to go sign professionally. Mm. And then I did. And years later, coming into like the acting industry, I decided in, in really sort of when I came over here, we came over here uh, as me and two friends and we got an extras gig on Home and Away of all shows. <laughs> I was a surfer in the extras and I can't swim. <laughs> and they said, cool, you can be a surfer, take the surfboard, go run in the ocean. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to run past like the main cast as they're walking down the beach. And I was like, two questions. I was like, do I have to go in the ocean? Cause I've just done my hair and two, I can't swim. <laughs> and the, and the, the uh, I think it was the, the uh, first assistant that was just like, okay, just go into like, like just get your hair sort of like wet. So you're coming out of the ocean. And I didn't because I got, I didn't want to get my hair wet and be on TV because I didn't know what that looks like. So I literally went in just to hear yeah. and I ran past like the screen, hair all still done, <laughs> body wet. So I was like, it looked so, we saw it, interestingly enough. Um, and it just didn't look like I'd been surfing at all, but it was such like a quick glimpse that sure. I was like, my hair's still done there. It looks yeah. great. So that, and just doing that and just being, being involved with that, even as an extra, I was like, this is so exciting. Like there's so many different things like going on here. This is like really interesting to me. Um, and that was like 2010 or something. Years sort of like past still like personal training, strength and conditioning. And then 2016 came around and I sort of just made the decision, like, what do I want to do with my life? And I was like, I want to act. Like that's the thing that I want to do. So I just immediately, I made that decision. I went, okay, and what do I need to do? And it was a, a long process of just figuring out what an actor does. Like you kind of, like, oh, you go on TV and you just kind of, pretend to be somebody else but there's just so much more intricacy to it and it wasn't just understanding the art form it was understanding the business because ultimately it's an entertainment business and I think a lot of people do miss that fact is that you can be 
the most talented artist in the world. But if you don't understand how the business works, then no one's going to take a second look at you. And then, for, excuse me, vice versa, if you if you understand all the business components, but you can't actually perform the skill when you're on camera, then no one's going to hire you. So for me, it was trying to go into both of those worlds and really get a deep understanding. And that's what I did in the personal training world is like, I need a deep understanding of science and biomechanics and anatomy and nutrition and gut microbiome and how the brain works and how the brain affects the body. So that's my, that's the way I sort of interpret things. Like, let me go all in and really understand all the different intricacies of the business. And then understanding that's going to give me an idea of like, okay, here's what I kind of want to do. And as we spoke about before, it's like, I never wanted to just be hired as an actor because I look a particular way. I want to get on screen and people go, oh damn, like you're actually, you're good. And I think that just comes as a part of skill acquisition of like developing that over time and getting put in the right rooms over time. And it's been what, 2016, 2023 now. So it's been a little while since I've gone all out and tried to do this and it's kind of like nothing's worked the way I wanted it like to work. You spend such a long time getting an agent. I got an agent and then that kind of just didn't work. And I was like, why is this not working? I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. Why is this not kind of like working? And then going to do workshops, doing masterclasses, reaching out to casting directors, reaching out to agents, trying to just figure it out myself. And I'm cool with that. Like I'm scrappy. Like once I again made that decision, it's like, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm not going to stop until I, until I get there, because I need that, that sense of accomplishment. Once I get there, it might take five years, it might take 20 years, I, I don't know. But unless I tick that box of like, okay, I did it. I just can't stop. Um, and I think the thing that the people sort of look at is, uh, you know, what are you passionate about? And I, and I get that, but I think we overcomplicate that a lot. When I was playing rugby league, there was not one part of me that ever was like passionate about it. I was just like, I just I'm just having fun. Like, I'm just hanging out here. I'm just going and, and playing the spot that I just have fun doing. And that was the only single attribute that I that I felt. I was like, I just want to go and do this. And I remember, I think it was LeBron James that sort of said the same thing. It's just like, there was no moment of me that ever went, this is the thing I'm most passionate about. It was like, I was just good at it. I just enjoyed it. So I just kept doing it. It might not be LeBron, but it's someone of that sort of caliber. And I think that's, for me being the, like the guiding lights, like I just like doing it. I was like, do, does there need to be any deep physiolo- uh, psychological complexity to mm. what is the passion? What is the purpose? You've got to find your why and all that sort of stuff. And I do agree with that, but I think sometimes it's just, does it matter sometimes? I think it's like, are you enjoying doing it? Yeah, cool. Just just keep doing that then. And ultimately you'll, you'll make something of it. And that something might be a big alias Hollywood star, or it might just be acting in The Lion King on Broadway. It's mm. like, that's cool. The pay difference is going to be massively different there, but it's still incredibly fulfilling. It's interesting you say that too about like just doing things just because they're enjoyable, not for any kind of esoteric deeper meaningful spiritual reason and finding your why and stuff like that and like for me that's always that's diving into that it's you can get quite lost you can get really lost in 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 trying to find the thing because you're trying to find something that you don't know what it is creating an expectation that it's going to be this grand thing and it's like it'll be the thing and I'll know when it's there and whatever but it also distracts you from the present moment and, yeah. and distracts you from where you are and I think 
taking that like there's a lot of there's a lot of different philosophies around and meaning of life and what life's all about and this and that um and ultimately it's it's so subjective so individualized and i mean what else do we want other than just to kind of have fun like and enjoy the journey yeah because if you look at it from an anthropological perspective like i don't think our neanderthal ancestors ever thought about why am i doing this like what Mm. am i so passionate about like we've got these predisposed sort of programming that we we have to do certain things we have uh, being in a community seems like a good idea it seems like it's probably a smart idea from a survival perspective and that's probably built in our in our minds somewhere but also it's probably a good idea for sharing and spreading experiences and love you know do we need shelter yeah it's probably a good idea do we need mm-hmm. water and food yeah it's probably a good idea do we need to share and give love yeah it's probably a good idea outside of that i don't know if there's that much that we need to we're really built to do so i think that as you sort of said it's like we can get lost very very quickly but i think you find your passion along the way by doing what you want to do i think it, it, it reveals itself and then very really quickly if you're enjoying something and you start to enjoy it less I guess what you do, you just change and you can mm. just move into a into a different direction. But I think a lot of people spend a lot of time doing something they were passionate about at one point, passionate about like they enjoyed at one point and then continuing to do it because they don't know that they can actually just change their minds and just go and do yeah. something else. And I think people do spend too much time trying to find their purpose. And not that I'm against, I think it is definitely important, but I think it's important for the people that need to try and find that. It's like, if you're completely lost and you know nothing, might be a good idea to try a bunch of things sure. because you can't sit there and be like, what's my purpose? As if it's magically going to come to you. And like, I just say, I'd ask you, it's like, what do you like? And if you can figure out what you like, like, okay, why don't you just try that mm. for a little bit of time and just sort of see what happens? Because ultimately I think we try to almost predict our lives too much about what do I want my exact future to be every single day of my life? That's really boring. You know, imagine living your life knowing that tomorrow when you get up, you know exactly what's going to happen second by second. Yeah. It's really boring. And how are you going to learn a skill set? And how are you going to develop? And how are you going to challenge? And how are you going to change yourself? But once it reveals itself, challenges come in, experiences come in, you know, things go wrong, things go well. And ultimately, you're just this creature of adaptability. Mm. And just keep mm. moving forward. As long as you're moving forward towards something, whether you know what that something is or isn't. Mm. But ultimately, if you look back in your life, I think if you, you know, reverse engineer that, imagine you're 80 years old, sat in a rocking chair on your on your patio, and you look back, you never be like, oh, I wish I was more passionate about something, or I wish I had found more purpose. Like, did I have a good time? Yeah. Did I spend it with good people? Yeah, there's yeah. a quote. It's um, something along the lines, I might butcher it, but it's, I think Brad Pitt sort of said it. It's like someone asked him or he asked someone, what's more important? Is it the journey or the destination? And the answer was neither, it's the company. Mm. Because if you were to go from where you are to where you want to be by yourself, you'll start off lonely, you'll end up lonely. Mm. That fucking sucks. But if you had really cool people around you, whether you achieve that goal or not, might not yeah. necessarily be the most important thing. But if you're surrounded by your family and loved ones and you have a family mm. along the way, mm. I think you'd be pretty fulfilled mm. at the end of your life. Mm. Yeah, I, I reckon that would have to be I mean, only thinking on it now, like that's that's pretty scary feeling to to go if I was to go and achieve all of these things but have no one by my side or no one to talk to or no one to call or no one to share it with or wherever I was sit around and tell stories and just connect with people, 
it's like none of that matters none of the stuff none of the stories matter because it's like well i can tell myself but what else i have this weird like uh like vision at the end of my life i want to be sat at a mountaintop surrounded by a campfire roasting marshmallows surrounded by other people roasting marshmallows around their campfires and it's all the people that i shared experiences with Mm -hmm. throughout my life it's like if i visualize something and sit like you know do a little bit of like meditation or something that's the image that always comes mm. to light and it's all the people that i've been able to help and then all the people that have helped me just sharing all those memories and all those stories at the end of our lives mm. and i think that's just cool as hell yeah yeah i mean it's is that that'd be even though there's never really like a i mean again it's subjective right but a moment of i've made it but that would be such a cool, such right? a symbol, yeah. right? Of like, well, okay, this life still goes on, the journey continues, but like, this is this is something that I envisioned, and now it's here. Mm. Similar to you talking about um, rugby, it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna make it, and then you did. Um, talk to me about your work ethic because you have a very very strong work ethic. You've got a family. Um, you work ridiculous hours from what I've seen or you get up early as hell to make shit happen. Talk to me about what that looks like, but also how you develop that. I think I don't think I can take credit for the work ethic. I'm from a scrappy Middle Eastern and Irish family. And we're talking um, very low, like socioeconomic area that we grew up in the Irish side of my family are gypsies so if you think traveling like gypsies that's where my grandmother came from all her family are traveling Irish gypsies and yeah. they're very scrappy a very hard working uh, individuals they all, don't always follow the law but they're a very hard working <laughs> individual my nan did by the way she's a good girl um but just combining those two um cultures I guess just instilled this incredible work ethic in us because ultimately there was nothing else that we can control except from our effort, like our output. It's like you either do or you don't. It was as as binary as that. And all my family like it. Like every single one of them. Like mm. my my uncles, my aunties, my my dad, they're all just insane about like how hard they actually work. Like looking like looking from a health perspective is not healthy and it's just stupid. But mm. It's just the way we were always, always raised. I remember being, my dad was a, a lorry driver for a scaffolding company when I was young growing up. And I remember being on construction sites when I was seven years old, like helping him unload scaffolding on the back of his truck. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that was just, that was just there. And then my, my uncle ran a, still does um, like a storage and distribution firm for um, in the like building construction industry. And I remember just us going there as like kids and guess what we would do as kids we would just work and play, but we would sweep and clean things and carry things and unload and like load dumpsters up with like broken pallets and broken plaster bars and things of mm-hmm. that nature, you know? So it was just always, always ingrained in, in, in us. And I'm not the hardest working. Like if you meet my dad, like the insanity that he works, it's just, but it's, it's like very borderline, like, like what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, he's the guy that would go to the air. If you have to be an hour before you fly out of the airport, he'd be there five hours earlier. Right. Just, just in guess, yeah, just not need, need be there. Just like, but why? Like, I just sort of need, need to be there. Yeah, even it's like building sites that he still does now. He's there hours before they open. Like, but they don't open. It's just like, yeah, I just need to be there. Kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's like stupid stuff. I remember when there were there were once um, changing uh, built like building uh, like uh, 
the uh, HQ essentially, they moved it. And him and like another guy, they worked for three days straight, just moving stuff. Just mm. didn't sleep, just kept going. Three days. It's like, this is what this just one needs, needs to be done. I'm like, but yeah. you don't have to do it like that. You could have taken the week. Like, yeah, but we can knock it out in three days. Yeah. Do <laughs> stupid stuff like that? So it was just always ingrained in us fruit. So I can't take credit for that. But then move, you know, moving forward into into now, it's it's looking at what do I have to work with? Like, what is the reality of what I have to, to do from a, what do I need to do to put food on the table? What do I need to do to continue to educate myself in that field, to continue to earn more money, to con- make sure that food's always going to be on the table, roof's always going to mm. be on our head. And then also knowing that I've got a, a young family, they're a one-year-old now, and she's going to look up to myself and my partner and kids are always going to look at what you do, not what you say. And if I said to her, go and follow your dreams, there's nothing more important than that. Mm. Don't accept no for an answer. Sure. Yeah, because life's hard right now and I don't do it. That's the only thing she's going to remember. Yeah. That's the way I see it. It's like she's going to look at me like, yeah, he worked really hard, but he didn't achieve his dream. And for me, that's like kind of unacceptable. I'm just like, I won't accept her growing up in a, in a household where we say one thing, but we're not courageous enough to go and do it ourselves, regardless of how hard it is. So mm. it doesn't mean get up at 3 a.m. every day. Yeah, because that's the time that she's asleep and then no one's awake. And then the, for the first few hours of the day, I can just focus with no distractions because nobody else is awake at that time, which is mm. great. But I can focus with no distractions and make significant progress. And then once the day starts, as everybody knows, it's like then the fires need to be put out and the chaos starts and problems start to arise and sure. things happen. And then I find that it's when she starts to get to, I guess, the evening and people are winding down, there's still distractions because I think it's easier to sit and watch Netflix at nine o'clock at night versus three o'clock in the morning. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're already, yeah. you're kind of away. You've had your day. You might need to de-stress you might need to escape a little bit so you're more likely to do all the quote-unquote like things that you shouldn't be doing but at that time in the morning like no there's nothing around it's just completely i mean it's just you and your thoughts and you have two choices you can either you know hit the alarm and just go back to bed and no one's gonna know no one's gonna care yeah or you can get the fuck up and actually go and do something and because acting is the dream and the goal and i still feel i'm so far away from that it's like that's the work it's like vocal work, accent work, script work, learning, listening to interviews, you know, doing whatever coaching I need to do at that particular time. Mm. Like that's the hours of the morning that I need to be able to get that done. Otherwise it'll never get done. Mm. Yeah. And to working, um, like being a part of agencies and um, a lot happens overseas as well, right? So working into their schedules and being available when they're awake. Yeah. Yeah, so like for for me, like being British, like the Australian market is not probably the best market for me because how many British people do you see on Australian television? Sure. You know, so, but I'm I'm over here, so I have to just accept that I'm over here right now. Mm. Um, I could just move back home, but I've got an Australian family, Jeremy, so I have obligations there as well. So I need to understand that if I just drag them away, they may be very upset about that, which we've obviously like had the conversations about, about moving and things, but... You said that exactly right. It's like I'm on like other people's schedule. So I'm like making sure, okay, it's 9 a.m. there. Send them an email or a call. Might not matter at all, but for me, I'm just like trying to just make shit up and just like, okay, this seems like a logical thing to do. They go on their laptops at 8, 9 o'clock and I send an email. They might see that at the right time. It might not get lost in the weeds because ultimately a lot of casting directors and agents get hundreds of emails a day. Sure. It's very easy for some to get missed, you yeah, know? So yeah. 
You don't know if yours is getting missed. You know what I mean? You don't know if you're, um, you've got the skill set. You don't know if you're, you're good enough. Do you know what I mean? So, and that's where you, that's where I take, you know, uh, coaching and uh, constantly working on like my craft to ensure that I'm the best that I possibly can be. So when ultimately opportunity comes up at one point, then I will be so undeniably good that they're like, mm. oh shit, like you've got something. Yeah. And then we, and then we go for it. Cause acting is so much more, I think that it's so much more than just the, the skill itself. Like there is the business aspect as well, but there's also the, you know, how are you working in an ensemble with, with other people? What are you going to be like when everything is eight weeks over when you were over production day and everyone's stressed as hell and their director is stressed out and things are not moving smoothly and seamlessly as they were on day one versus day 162, you know? And how do you hold yourself under those stressful like environments, you know? So I think there's so much more to it. And I think that my skill set is that I'm good under really stressful situations. So all that satisfied, I'm good. Like throw me in there when things are, you know, eight weeks over a production schedule and you're stressing out and you need someone to lead the fucking army, put me in there. Like I'm mm. good. Let, let's go for it. Cause ultimately that's what I'm experiencing through my life. And so I think like I've got that yeah. ability to be able to go, let me go. Let me lead the troops. Let's do this. You know? Mm. Yeah. And that's all the things that you don't, you don't think about right in the, in the world of acting. Like I've, I've been on a couple of high production TV show sets and there's so many people and everyone's got their role and it's all good. But at the same time, like some people's roles are so important at a particular moment. Everyone's kind of got their, got their moment. But I remember being, I remember being on this one set, it was up in the Gold Coast and I was up there doing some drone work and I just was like, I was looking around and everyone was so stressed and I was like, I was just, it was actually really depressing. And I told myself I'd never work on a set like that again. I was like, this just is not for me. Like pay was great. It was cool. Got to go to the Gold Coast for a day. Like kind of ticked the box of being like a cool thing to do. But I was like, fuck this. This is this is not for me because everyone was just – and like, I mean, it, 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 brings us, it brings us back to all of the things that I feel like you're really um, – tending to which is like being good health being good mental health being ready being skilled being a good leader all these different things like one thing i noticed was that these all these different people were probably great at the thing that they did but anything outside of that just didn't look like they had it which kind of brings me into like the other side of what you do which is the personal training which you've been doing for a long time I want to learn more about your your philosophy because you seem incredibly well-rounded and very, very knowledgeable. How do you approach fitness and health in everyday life? Like what's your philosophy around that? Cookies only. Cookies every, only. Every meal, every day. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Never skip dessert. <laughs> so I think it's, it's definitely changed over time. I think when you get in the industry, you as soon as you get your certification, you think you know everything. And then yeah. over time, you end up realizing that you actually know nothing. And then the more that you develop and the more courses that you take and the more skill sets you have, you realize that you still know nothing because there's just mm. such a wide array of different skill sets that come into into fitness itself from a psychology, from a gut, uh, gut microbiome perspective, from a nutrition perspective, from a training perspective, from a periodization perspective, from a health and looking at heart rate variability and blood pressure and things of that nature. There's so much complexity and biomechanics, anatomy, things like that. So there's so much complexity that goes into it. So 
early on, I think I adopt, you adopt a, almost like an identity. Like this is the thing that, that I do. And this is the thing that I am good at. Oh, that's what my certification told me. Mm. And then you try to essentially take everybody and mold them into this thing. And you do it, I think it's just more like naivety because you don't know anything else. And I think opposite a lot of industries, you just go down this one narrow avenue and go, everyone has to conform to this because this is the way. Yeah. And then over time, things change. You're like, oh, damn, that's actually not the only way. So there's all these different avenues. So I saw that relatively early on. Uh, I got exposed to it relatively early on uh, being an athlete. It was understanding when the strength and conditioning coach was telling, talking to me and telling me what I needed to as a, a lock forward. So number 13 on a, on a rugby pitch, a rugby league, that is not rugby union. I know zero about rugby union. <laughs> um, understanding that the way they tread the forwards was different to the way they tread the backs than the different to the way that they tread the prop forwards versus the second rows versus the lot forward versus the centers versus the wings. Like everybody's programming had to be so different because everyone's position was so different. It had to yeah. be specialized. So understanding that early on and give you a good insight to understanding, okay, I can't just be good at this one Thing. And that didn't really interest me either. I get bored quite quickly. So it was like, okay, let's learn a little bit about anatomy. Okay, learn about the muscles, ligaments, tendons, bones. Okay, great. Now what else? And then we go again and go again. And there's much more complex. You can go obviously very, very deep into the complexities of anatomy. But after I got the basics, I was like, okay, what else is there? And then I go to nutrition. Okay, what else is there? Hypertrophy. Let's go into strength training. Let's go into conditioning training. Let's go into all these different things. So early on, I just start to take this approach of like jack of all trades but then also I never wanted to be a master of none. I don't, I never wanted to go, okay, I know like the basics of everything, mm. but I don't actually know anything. So I just kept delving deeper and deeper into all these avenues, trying to get as good as I possibly can in, in, in those, um, in those fields. But I think that the way I, I did it was initially probably wasn't great, but over time this developed and it developed into a, a state of, and this is really applied to everything that I've done is I find the best person in the world that I can afford and I pay them to tell me what they know. Because mm. I've never been the university route and that's a whole route in, its, in of itself. But what I found, especially now, is that the people that were professors at university that still have to conform to a criteria that they did not create, it was done by some governing board that says you have to do X, Y, and Z, not always bad, but not, sometimes not always good. And I've heard people that come out of university degrees and then come into like uh, in their bachelors of science the sports science and then come into like the gyms that i've worked at private facilities and come in with all this theoretical knowledge but have no idea how to actually coach someone mm. have no idea to actually build a relationship with a client have no idea about the art of coaching and all none of these can be taught mm. in the university they're taught on the field you have to be in the game so that's the approach i basically took it was like okay who's the best in the world and if i can afford them if not, you just go to the next person down, next person sure. down, right? You just keep working your way down. Yeah. And then basically letting them teach you everything you know. It's almost like a bit of a, like a, you're bypassing all like the bullshit versus like you could be on social media now. And as we were speaking before, it's like there's zero barrier to entry. Right. Like it's a confusing world out there, especially for like the general population that don't know a lot about health and fitness. Because anybody at any point can put anything in their bio and people have to believe that. Because mm. why, why would they lie? It's like, well, they're probably in it for something um, a little bit nefarious. And for me, it was quite evident of like, I don't want to be known as like the guy who just does, does one thing or just doesn't know anything. Mm. So I wanted to just keep researching. I still, even to this day, even though I want to be an actor, I still want to stay on point with all the other things because ultimately people are coming to me to provide them a service and be like, I need you to 
get me in the best shape of my life, but do it in a healthy and a sustainable way, take into consideration not just my psychology and my mindset, but my training, but my my nutrition, but my all my ailments that I that I might have, that I work a very stressful job, that I've got two, three kids and they've still got to play sport and I travel for work and I've got a partner that mm. I need to spend a lot of time with as well. And I've got a family I've got to spend a lot of time with as well because that's important to me. So they're almost coming to you with this jigsaw puzzle that's broken and go, fix this. And you have mm. to go, okay, if I, in order to fix this, I need to have a wide skill set. I can't just have one skill set because then ultimately I have to go, okay, cool. I can always solve this problem. And now you have to go down all these other avenues to try and fix all these other things. Whereas mm. I'd rather be the guys like, just come to me and I can just do everything. But at the same time, you also need to know your boundaries, I guess. It's like when, when to refer out because if someone's got some real messed up like gut issues or some real messed up health issues or psychological issues, mm. then it's on us as coaches to know that and know where our expertise finish, our limits are essentially and go, I need to refer you out because this is the best thing for your health. Mm. And our the, the guiding light around the health industry is is do no harm. And the interesting thing about social media is that although there's a lot of good, there's also a lot of people doing harm because with no barrier to entry, they don't even have to be certified personal trainers. Yeah, right. If someone's in half decent shape and they're putting their bio, online coach or whatever it might be, they can mm. charge people money for not having any qualification except from they are in good shape. Which then because... <laughs> It's it's funny because you look at you look at those influencers, people who are in good shape, whatever. They're not learning the craft of training people. They're learning the craft of good copywriting and course creation and how to package a program and how to build an offer and how to sell and how to market. You do that. You learn that really well. You can sell anything to anyone as long as you're a chapter ahead. And if you look good, it's like it's an authority builder. It's a trust builder. It's a credibility builder. That's I, I think that's across every industry that now is kind of riddled with info products. There is so much information out there. And something I was going to touch on before is we've got this paradox of every bit of information that we need available at our fingertips, but then too much information to know what's right and what's wrong. Um, especially in the health world, everything cancels everything out. And there's a study that backs up this bias and then this. And we like, and there's been that many trends from the vegan and then the carnivore. And then, and it almost leaves us worse off a lot of the times, especially when we are listening to different people and choosing to listen to people who don't actually know what they're doing or are only looking through their specific lens and not considering other factors like you were talking about. So how do you approach, like what's what's your general approach when someone comes to you? Like who do you work with and how do, like well, what do you run them through and how do you get them results? Mm. So I generally work with general population and it ranges from, basically C-suite executives, so like CEO, CFO, um, COOs, uh, VPs, people who are very, very busy and they've done very, very well in their business life. And then down to people that are just everyday, like kind of kind of people. Uh, but really the, those people that really want to achieve something great with their health and their performance, not just, I just want to drop a couple of kilos, which is great. We can definitely do that. 
but the people that I generally attract with my wide array of, of expertise is the people that want to achieve something truly great mm-hmm. with their life, understanding that they are busy, they've got a business to run, they may be entrepreneurs or business owners or running other, other companies for other people. They've got a busy family life. They want to achieve almost like everything, which becomes very, very difficult if they want to be exceptional and everything because something's going to lag at some point. But for them, it's just like, well, that's not acceptable. They still want that to be optimal. I want to be stressed out as hell. I want to have this family and have this business. But I also want the most phenomenal results. Mm. So it's my job then to go, okay, well, how do we break that down? be firstly very upfront and have an honest conversation of like, okay, well, here's the expectation from me for your, in order for you to achieve that. And then how do we come to, and they come in with something as well. And then we go, okay, great. Understanding what you're saying, understanding what I'm trying to get you to, we need these to marry up Mm. because we need to find a process that you're going to, or a protocol you're actually going to be able to follow. So we'll have this conversation, figure out exactly what, what they need, exactly why they want it. And then we go through a very in-depth questionnaire that takes consideration like training history, um, dietary, dietary history, any um, eating disorders, uh, what their health is currently, any medical conditions that they've got. Some people that do have ailments and things of that nature, I would work directly with their dietitian or with their GP as well. It's like, cool, let's, let's figure this out together. I'll share with you what I'm doing to help solve the problem. You share with me what you're doing so that together we can help help this person get to where they where they want to be. Mm. And then generally we work in, most people I work with, especially in the online space, a six month block, most most like 12 weeks. It's like, you can get some great results in 12 weeks, but how long are they sustaining mm. that result? Mm. And so generally I go six months and like, let's figure this out. And they may achieve it in, in less time than that. You know, they may go really hard for 12, 16 weeks and achieve something phenomenal. And we move on to a diff- bit of a different goal leading up into that six month mark. But we, I ask for that commitment because some people come in or most people come in broken and they've got some issues and they're not consistent and they are lacking education they're lacking discipline they're lacking consistency so we have to solve those things along the way because ultimately the whole job of a coach is to be able to almost lose the clients it's a terrible business model sure in saying that there, there is the business side of like looking at you know ltv of a client and the retention and all that sort of stuff which is definitely important but so people are going to come in for a period of time. And I think it's our job to be able to give them the best possible service in that period of time so that they feel comfortable being able to just go and do it themselves. Whether yeah. they choose to or not is is different altogether. Mm. And you have that open, honest conversation. It's like, I know we've achieved this, but what about moving into this other goal? And if that's what they want and they're digging that, great, then we just go into the other goal. And that's where I think this that it's almost like honest retention comes in place versus mm. like, oh, I think you need a few more weeks. But I think if you can do a job quickly and efficiently. Like six months is not a long time in the grand scheme of things. Sure. You know, I think you return on investment of six months. So yeah. is 50, in the next 50 years, whatever the cost is, it'd be like, you know, a hundred dollars a year or something like that. Like it's well yeah. worth the investment. So I take a very much a health first approach. You look at health as a pillar and we, we solve that. A healthy body doesn't want to be fat. It doesn't want to be overweight. It wants to perform really well. So we've got to look at all areas of, the, of their life like what does their training look like what's their digestion any digestive dysfunctions going on uh you know they're bloated after any particular meals do they feel energetic after a particular meal do they feel lethargic after a particular meal we go in depth in that uh, sometimes if they want to do blood work as well they can go and do blood work that will be shared with me by their gp and we'll have a, a little bit of a conversation see if, if there's any discrepancies there that we need to get on top of mm. 
Um, in terms of their sleep, sleep obviously being super, super important, but we go in depth is in, if they're using like a whoop or an aura ring, something like that, let's share that data with me. Let's have a look at what your actual REM sleep was. What, what is your HRV? And mm. I think that the mistake that I've noticed that people make is that they'll do that. They'll go, I've got my Apple watch and I've got my aura ring, I've got my whoop or whatever they're using. It's like, cool, but what do you do with that data? Mm. Oh, no, I just, I just kind of like track it. I'm like, it's great to track, but you need to know what to do with that sure. data let's say yeah. your heart rate variability is, is skyrocket it's like well, what what is that what does it mean do you know what mm. I mean like how do we how do we bring that an average variability basically just the, the difference between beats in your heartbeat you're meant to have an irregular beat yes yeah. too consistent we can go into what we call a sympathetic state so a very stressed out state mm. stress secretes cortisol cortisol being our body's major stress hormone that elevated too high you create a myriad of issues Elevated a tiny bit is fine. Cortisol is there to break down cells and produce energy. Cortisol's mm. great. If we don't have cortisol, we won't be able to produce energy very well. Sure. So it's not a, uh, oh, cortisol's bad. It's like, okay, well, well, what dosage and what amount and how long is that sustained? Being stressed out all day is probably not a good idea. Yeah. So we're looking at their health. We're looking at their sleep. We're looking at their, their digestion. We're looking at if they've got any specific like medications as well, working again alongside their GP with what they're currently got, if they're on blood pressure medication or something of that nature. What can we do to potentially reduce the the dosage or can we can we work together to get them off that altogether mm. that means a lot to people they're like fuck i'm gonna take this medication for 15 years yeah now i'm not taking yeah. it anymore that's a win for me yeah but really getting them and what they care about is getting in the best shape of their life they want to look in the mirror mm. and look at themselves and be like i'd fuck you yeah you know, to themselves <laughs> which we all like they will look in the mirror like we want to we're van, vain creatures we want to look in the mirror and be like i feel attractive mm. like, i actually feel quite sexual this is great. This means a lot to me. And I'm sure it means a lot to my partner as well. Mm. On the other side of the spectrum, when you start to let yourself go, you become very, very self-conscious. I met some very, very confident people feel very, very self-conscious with their body image when they're sharing photos and stuff. But in person, you never think that. Yeah. Most confident yeah. people in the world, you know? So, and that's a whole uh, conversation in itself about people being okay with their body image, which is fine. Everyone can look exactly how they want to look. That's fine. But understanding that there is going to be some health issues if you're not taking care of yourself. And I think the main one really is, is that it's okay to want more. Like we live in a world I think is like of just acceptance again, which is absolutely fine. If you truly accept the way that you are, you're like, I'm good. Fine. Just keep doing your thing. But don't say it just because you feel you have to, and society's taught you like you just have to accept the way you are, you're beautiful sure. the way you are. And you're yeah. definitely beautiful with the way you are. But if you're still beautiful and overweight, you're still overweight. Mm. Or you're beautiful and you're still and you've got bulimia, you're still bulimic. Let's actually get to some kind of let's undercover so the the problem so that we can actually go and solve that. And I think that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot because we're afraid to offend somebody. Mm. Which is fine. And I get that you shouldn't be an asshole to anybody ever, but having the experience that I have and also talking with hundreds of different coaches and talking with thousands of different people as a subset, it's us as coaches that have, that have the real conversations. So we sit in a consultation room with a real person that on the outside, they feel like they've had to accept the way they are, mm-hmm. but they're crying and they're breaking yeah. down in front of you. And you have to look at them and be like, you're not actually happy the way you are. And you're like, no, I'm not. Okay, well now let's actually try and solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are afraid to say that. Yeah. Because we've been taught that we have to, we are, we can accept the way that we are. Mm. But what happens if you don't want to? Yeah. It's cool to want to get in better shape. Mm. Want to go and do something with yourself. 
and live a long life. Like how dare we say to someone, you need to accept the way you are. How dare you get in better fucking shape? Yeah. It's like, what do you yeah. mean? I want to play with my kids when I'm 50 and 60 and 70 years old. If I don't do it now, I'm not going to be able to do that. Mm. And that's a conversation that doesn't happen enough. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's such an environmental thing too, right? Of like, who, who are we surrounded by when it comes to our health? Like, I mean, if you're generally, if you're someone who's overweight, you've got a network of people who are probably in the, in the same shape because it's low behavior and it's, it's those habits have formed. It's this, it's this balance of, of like taking where you're at and having that acceptance. But I think for men in particular, having that drive to want to be better. Like I just think that like progress for, for human beings in general is hardwired. And we were speaking before about purpose and having a why and this esoteric thing and how a lot of the times you can, you can find purpose in just being and just, uh, just sitting even and just enjoying the process and this and that. Um, but to bring that into things like our, our physical health and it's like, well, I eat junk food and it's like, but I've accepted it. And like now I'm fat and now I've got digestion problems and health problems and, and issues with, with my gut and I feel like shit, but I just got to make sure that I accept that. It's like, it kind of sends you on a one way ticket to not very good places. Right. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's it's such an interesting it's such an interesting thing that we have in society of, of that, and in Australia with um, tall poppy syndrome as well. It's like how dare you how dare you look up how, how dare you take your shirt off and be confident with your shirt off? Like how dare you have that beautiful tan and those those beautiful muscles and this and that? And you're just like. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's right? so interesting because I was I was only just messaging someone that they're from the UK but based in Dubai and they were just uh, they were trying back and forth. You know how's the Australian like fitness scene? Everyone would be super like healthy over there. I was mm. like, no. I was like, Australia's still a Westernized colony. Like it's sure. still in a, com- a country that's still riddled with obesity, and we still have tons of fast food restaurants, and people are still almost like shunned for looking the way they do, especially in the country where it's hot all the time. Of course you want to take your damn shirt off, mm. do you know what I mean? Or wear a bikini to the beach. Yet, it's always running down the road, and I've been in the car with other people that have done this, running down the road with their shirt off. In the, in the middle of summer, everyone just goes, what a twat. You're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, this guy's looking after him, his health, or him and his girl are going for like a run, and yeah. they're in great shape because they care about their health. And the immediate thing that you want to say to him is just like, what a dickhead. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and that, yeah. that's an absolute that's an absolute fact. And you think you're right with the tall poppy syndrome. It's like everyone wants you to do well, but as soon as you start to do better than them, they're kind of like, oh, mm. now he might be a little bit intimidating. Mm. But for, like for men, like I mean, for women as well, but I can only speak on, obviously as a man is that I want to be the leader in my household. I want to protect my family, and physically, mm. I want to be the best version of myself that I can be. I want to be strong. I want to be muscular. I want to be a defend and protect my family. Yeah. And how dare anyone would he tell me that I can't do that? Mm. Like, I want to be able to do that. And I want to be able to look in a, in a particular way. Does that help with building confidence? Well, yeah. But it also helps me live a longer life. Mm. And a lot of people make this discrepancy with like, they will, they will happily work themselves into the ground at, at the compromise of their health. It's like, great, well, now you've got all this money, but you're just taking 10 years off your lives. You can't actually even enjoy that money yeah. the way you want to anyway. Because as you get older, things start to break down faster, mm. you know, and you've got all this money, 
that now you're 60 and 70 years old and you look like you're 90. Yeah. Like you're not enjoying anything. Yeah. You're just loathing life at the moment, you know, just because you wanted more money. So there's a study done a long time ago. Um, I think it was in the US. It's like anything, the, the average person was sort of us. I think they, they did like a million people, something ridiculous. It was the average person would have been happy with 77,000 US dollars. It was like anything outside of that had no difference in people's happiness. Like if you translate that to Australia, well, that's a hundred thousand dollars, something mm. like that, which isn't that much money. So outside of that, it's like you continue to work more at the compromise of your health. Yeah. And should we be able to get into a point where like, I've earned this, now I'm good with this. I can still earn like maybe a little bit more, but I can take care of all my bills, send my family on holiday and do whatever else that I want to do. Don't have any real financial stress in life, but I can now look after my health and actually mm. enjoy this for a longer period of time. And I think as a man, like you should be, or at least I think is like, be the leader of your household, like protect your wife, protect your, protect your yeah. partner, protect your children, be like, be strong, be resilient, train yourself physically and mentally to be able to be that leader. And like, again, like women as well, like if you want to be that in your household and you want to be strong and support your family, that like you can do that too, mm. but don't let anybody talk you out of that. And the amount of clients that I've worked with that, feel like not so much that they don't have the belief that they can do so, but I think very much like they have been taught or trained that it's bad to do so. And they feel bad for looking after their health. Oh, I feel bad for going looking after my health because like I'm away from the house and like my husband has to look after the kids. Well, fuck him. Like he made them. Mm. You're letting look after them and then vice versa. It's like a guy shouldn't have to feel bad for looking after his health because oh, I need to leave my missus at home or whatever else it might be. It's like there's the old saying of like, it takes a, a, a village to raise a family. It's like, if you've got friends and family and stuff like that, like get them involved with you, with your life. And we talked about community a little bit earlier as well. It's like getting these, and this one of the most important things about it is like getting them involved with, with your circle and in your life as well. And to be able to look about, look after your kids in this case, but being able to experience that journey of them growing up too. And you can also look after yourself along the way, because ultimately if you're not looking after yourself, you can't give to your ecosystem. You know what, like coming back to the simplicity of all that as well, like, and I guess I'll, I'll, I'd love to get your opinion on this because you would, you've seen it across so many clientele coming to you for, for health advice and training and stuff like that. But one thing I learned probably it'd be about a year ago is when it kind of really clicked for me was looking at Maslow's hierarchy of human needs as an example and looking at it the, at the base is, is the most foundational thing. So making sure we've got access to air, water, shelter, feeling like we're, we're kind of safe. The next being security. So can we kind of look after ourselves? Can we make a living, have a job, like look after us and our family? Um, and then goes into, I think it's relationships or connection, um, and then love and belonging and then purpose or something like that. Um, but, but I realized that for me, I was in, I was in a position where I, I had the basic stuff, like I had a roof over my head, I had air, I had water, I had food, but I didn't have that security. I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I could even really look after myself optimally. Like I was constantly chasing money, constantly had no matter what I made, it would always go back out. And I, I kind of got to a point where I was like, fuck, like that's kind of all I'm thinking about. 
but it's interesting how that took up all of my all of my energy and my time going okay today i've got to make sure i make money so that i can look after myself so i can afford everything that i need and when i looked at that i was like until i have that sorted there's no way i can do anything else in the hierarchy there's no way i'm going to be able to sit there and look at well what's my purpose or um who can i go and hang out with today how can i attend to my relationships and my family and connection and and all and service to the community and whatever like i can't do that until i feel like i've i'm secure and people are out there wanting all these things but they haven't got the basics they haven't got the basics down pat um and it's like when you when you walk in to your wife and you you don't even want to take your shirt off because you're so insecure or it's you feel so unstable in who you are it's like until that is sorted the other things don't matter right like that's the thing a butterfly will be attracted to a beautiful garden so in order to attract the butterfly, you must first be the beautiful garden. So mm. working on yourself first will inevitably attract the people around you that you want in your life. It will also attract the outcomes that you want. If you take care of yourself, guess what? You'll get better health. If you budget your money accordingly, guess what? You will have wealth. Mm. If you start to read and level up and skill up your your knowledge, guess what? You will get more intelligence. So these people that are walking into when they're sitting in a consultation room or we do a Zoom consultation and they are really, really struggling, we delve into their entire lifestyle and be like, don't just tell me about your, like, your health and fitness, like what else is going on? Like where are the issues, the issues, where are the biggest problems like in your life? Is it with your kids? Is it with your relationship? Because what we want to try and do is create new behaviors. And I think a, a couple of ways to do that is one, creating the identity of the person that you want to become is a big one versus accepting mm. the the one that you are. If you want to, you accept that you are an unhealthy person, you will inevitably choose unhealthy habits and make unhealthy decisions. But sure. if you accept, I am a healthy person, what would a healthy person do? The healthy person might choose the carrot over the donut. Mm. It's crazy if that sounds, they might do that. <laughs> I would never do that. But they would choose that. And if you, if you decide that you are, I am a smoker, so inevitably I will just smoke everywhere that I go. Like, I'm actually not a smoker anymore. Yeah. And it's a psychological shift, but it really works because it instills a positive behavior. And through those positive behaviors, you feel a better way. And we've got now a positive feedback loop. But you said environment earlier as well. And I think one of the biggest or the fastest changes that you can make is just change your environment completely. Mm-hmm. There was, I think Alex Hormozzi said it, is like there took a a group of uh, U.S. soldiers, I think it was in the World War, the Vietnamese War, and they were addicted to heroin when they were fighting over in that particular place. And they presumed that when everybody came back, everyone would still be addicted to heroin, they'd have to go to clinics and stuff like that. And I think all of them, or at least a very large percentage of them, percentage of them just stopped completely. And the only thing that had changed is just the environment that had changed. They didn't have access to it right there and then. So their environment changed and they stopped doing it. So the same thing with with someone who is... Um, chronically obese, is over, is um, unhealthy, as is you know, very negative health markers. It's like, well, how do we firstly change your environment? Let's stop doing what you're doing now, and just put you in a different environment completely. So it might be someone just going to a gym, 
going from not going to just going, oh, now in a, I'm in an environment now of people just actually working out mm. or just going for a walk. Everybody loves walking over in this country. Just start walking with people, mm. you know, mm. and attend walking groups. You know, you can find those around. So the biggest contributing factor, I think, is just firstly environment. And because of the behaviors that you instill with the environment, it starts to have a nice little knock-on effect to other areas in life. And again, if you assume the identity of, I am a healthy person, you go shop and you'll make healthier choices. Mm. Most people can use a little bit of common sense and know what's good and what's bad. Yes, there is going to be some difficulty if you are used to eating, you know, junk food and trans, a lot of trans fats for the past 20 years of your life. But if you hire a coach or if you hire a dietitian or go see a specialist, and then we can start to unpack these things and just one at a time start to solve these issues. And I think people get very overwhelmed because it's just like, this is a clusterfuck. What do I do here? There's so many issues going on with me. It's like, cool, just pick one. Mm. And almost like I, the thing that I advise with people when even when like goal setting, it's like, what's the easiest thing for you to do? You just need to just take the, the low hanging fruit here and just try to create a little bit of momentum. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so if you're, you know, you're 20 kilos overweight, don't focus on 20 kilos, focus on one kilo. Tricky, you can drop one kilo. It's like, oh yeah, that's actually not too bad. Let's look at what you're currently eating and drinking. Oh, you're having three bottles of Coke a day, which I've seen before, which is crazy, like three two-liter bottles of Coke. First thing I did is like, do you chase the Diet Coke? Yes, it's not as nice, but yeah, I could probably do that. You just chase the Diet Coke and the guy lost six kilos. <laughs> nothing else, changed nothing else. It was still eating yeah. like an asshole, still yeah. not training, still not doing anything. I was like, can we just change one thing? Change one thing, do we change the Diet Coke? Lost, lost, six, uh, lost six kilos and that was in the first week lost six kilos and went okay can we change something else he's like yeah if we're losing six kilos like we can do something else and we didn't consistently lose six kilos metabolic adaptation and things like that but we lost six kilos and he got a little bit of a buy-in of like oh this actually mm. he goes alright could you walk for me every day do you think look how long are you able to walk for just like 20 minutes yeah I can do 20 minutes great just walk 20 minutes what happens if it's raining I was like are you waterproof? He was like, yeah. I was like, you'd be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so he just put, I was like, put a rain jacket on. They put a rain jacket on, went for a walk. We dropped another couple of kids. And it was just very, very slowly. We got to a point. So people made the mistake of taking 10, 15 years to create the body that they're in now that they're so unhappy with and they want to change it in the next six, 12 weeks. And it's like, that's just not going to happen, dude. Like yeah. we need to have an actual conversation about this. And that's why as a coach, I think one of the most important things you can be is just completely upfront with them and I get that you need business and you want to make the sale and whatever, but your priority is again, do no harm. You need to be very upfront and honest with this person because what I found is the more honest and upfront that you are with them, some, sometimes they won't go with you because like they still have this expectation of like, well, I wanted to do it in six weeks, not yeah. 12 months. Yeah. But A, you avoid disappointing them because you know that that's just not going to happen and ultimately you look worse as a coach because people always blame the coach. They never blame the client. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> um, so you look, don't look, you look worse as a coach if you took that person on board hypothetically and you didn't get them a result. But also they'll respect you for not just lying to them yeah. because someone's 20 kilos away. It's not happened overnight. It's not happened in the last eight weeks. It's happened over a significant amount of time. They've got all these behaviors that are being instilled. So if you sit with them and go, okay, here's the blueprint. If it takes six or 12 months, for example, here's what we're going to do. The first third of the year, we're going to do this. Second third, and we're going to third, third, for example. And we just break that down and, and draw it out and talk them through it. So they've got a very clear understanding of this is where I'm at. I know what I'm going to do to get to this stage and then to the next. And then ultimately, I'm going to get to this. And I think it's important to paint out that, that dream outcome 
for them because they need a guiding light. Because without the guiding light, they're just kind of like, well, I'm just doing this every day. I don't really know what I want. Mm, mm. Yeah, and it's 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 like, and that's just the art of compounding, right? Like James Clear speaks about it in Atomic Habits and um, that 1% every day and, and, and trusting that process, especially when, I mean, if it's been done before, like <clears throat> I've noticed how that's happened in, in my health. It's kind of like you do the, you, you do what you need to do and you go and you keep going and then like, oh fuck, like you have your days and whatever and you're not noticing anything. And then all of a sudden you just do, like you just notice it. And it's like, it's like, oh, like that actually works. And actually that wasn't too hard. Like it's not like I set a, set a, a, a crazy expectation. It was just like, trying to do things that I enjoyed, fall in love with the process, but still putting the work in, still showing up when I didn't want to and this and that. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh crap, like I actually feel really good and I look really good and I'm really happy with where I'm at. And that's all comes down to the expectation that you set for the client too in going, well, yeah, it's going to take 12 months, but if you try and do it in 12 weeks as well, there's a good chance you'll probably burn out trying to do it. You won't enjoy the process. And even if you get there in 12 weeks, you're going to be done and then you're just going to stop. It's like it's pretty common amongst a lot of the the challenges that people do. They do the challenges and then I did it. Now I can fucking go and celebrate and stuff my face and go and have a night out on the town, which then makes you feel really shit the next day. So then you get KFC to, to fix a problem and then the cycle begins. And then it's just that, that repeated thing. Whereas, man, I mean, even something as small as changing from normal Coke to Diet Coke, which fucking blows my mind. But like all of that stuff, it's just, it's not even noticeable a lot of the times, even for people at that stage which sounds like he was probably or he or she was probably quite unhealthy yeah it's 150 kilos they start out yeah yeah and it's just like fuck like and for a lot of people at that it would be these alarm bells to go i've got to go and go hard i've got to get rid of this as quick as possible but it's like it's not doesn't always work that way there's um there was a conversation that I can't remember we were talking about now and they were talking about uh, Olympians. It's like everybody wants to be an Olympian, but they realize that Olympians, they don't wake up as Olympians. They are to yeah. start off as nobodies and then over time start to develop skill sets and attributes to become Olympians. The same thing as yeah. like losing weight. It's like you can't drop 20 kilos because you don't have to drop one. You don't have the skill set to drop one kilo. Yeah. So let's just focus on one and then three and then seven and then nine. Then ultimately mm. you will get to where you will be the person that lost 20. That is your journey. You know, wake up and just lose twenty kilos. Yeah, you know, and we mentioned influencers there before. I'm not nothing in, as inherently like against like fitness influencers. Some of them are good, but a very very small percentage. But I think where I sort of get annoyed is that, as we spoke about before, they have no credentials. Not all of them, but you know, the people that don't that don't have no credentials, no face to face experience. They may have, they may look a particular way. Whether that is just genetically blessed, whether that is performance enhancer drugs, which is very, very rampant in mm. the influencer industry, which nobody seems to fucking talk about or, or look at. You're like, he's an Olympian on the biggest bodybuilding stage in the world in an untested federation. Of course, he's on fucking steroids. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I do respect the ones that do come out and say, "Look, I'm on gear. Yeah. You shouldn't do what I do." 
All the respect in the world for those people, but it's the people yeah. that set these unrealistic expectations that are on performance enhancing drugs. They are genetically gifted. And don't get me wrong, so they still have to work hard. That's what people don't understand either. Is they still have to work hard to maintain and still, still to get in shape. It's not just like a, I'm in shape forever now. It's sure. great. And some of them have definitely done it with hard work, so nothing against those ones. But even with those ones, all combined is like, if they don't have credentials, they don't have certifications, legally, they're liable to being sued, legally. A personal trainer, even a Cert 3, Cert 4, one and two in the UK, Cert 3, Cert 4 in Australia, isn't a certified nutritionist, so they are legally not allowed to give nutrition advice. Advice, they can go give Ghana guidelines, or maybe don't eat this, maybe eat that, but they can't give, certificate, they can't give out uh, plans or set macros or anything like that. Yeah. But they do, a lot of them do. And it's just, I feel empathetic for people because it is really difficult. Because again, as we spoke about this, their business, and if they look a particular way, and they've got a certain amount of followers, and people look and vibe with that and go, I'm not in great shape, but mm. you look a particular way that I like, I want you to tell me what you did. Or I want you to coach me. Where in reality, it's like just because somebody's got in shape themselves doesn't mean they know how to do it with other people. Mm. And outside of the, the norms of just sending macros and just being in a calorie deficit or whatever, we alluded to a bit earlier, so, but what happens when things go wrong? Mm. What happens if someone comes to you and they're on SSRIs? And what happens when someone comes to you and they've got REDS or LEA, low, low energy availability, and they've lost their period and their hair started to fall out and they've got chronically high blood pressure and you're still trying to coach this person with a calorie deficit? Mm. Yeah. It's really <laughs> fucking stupid. But also, it's yeah. again, I feel empathetic with people because it's easy to be conned. If this person's got yeah. this, this lifestyle that you want and they're living it up and you're just like... Mm. that's what I want. It's easy to be bought, bought in. So the thing that I told I tell everybody and the biggest, t- I guess, takeaway that I like people having a conversation with me is learn to ask questions and don't be afraid of asking questions. If you're spending money on someone, myself included, and I say something that you don't understand that you disagree with or that you just want to question for whatever question, then you should question that. Mm. Because if we look at the influencer space, people are getting younger and they're getting in bigger and better shape. Yeah. Either the water's changed somewhere in the world or something's fucking going on. Yeah. But people yeah. buy into that immediately. Yeah. Which is ridiculous and it's stupid. And there is there is a level of like responsibility on the 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 fitness person, whether it's an influencer, whether it's a, a coach or whatever, is there's a level of responsibility on their side to be open, honest, and truthful. But there's also responsibility on on the person's side who's buying the program. Like you still mm. need to use some common fucking sense. You know, if I, you want to go to a homeless guy in the street and say, you need to give me financial advice. Mm. Probably not the best idea. Probably not the best person for that, right? So looking at any person that you're not really familiar with and ask questions. Mm. Because if they know what they're talking about, they will happily just answer the questions. Yeah. And there was a, a really smart, not an influencer, but a person in the fitness uh, fitness world that said, you don't see a lot of, a lot of influencers or coaches that don't know what they're talking about on a lot of podcasts because they don't know what they're talking about and they don't want to be exposed. And I think there's a lot of truth of that. They'll talk about the business and how they grew their following and all that sort of stuff. But I think less and less people care about the actual education. Yeah. The last fitness expo that happened, we were there together. Yes. Yeah, what yeah. was that one? That was like last June or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and the, everyone they have a lot of talks and stuff like that around. And I remember at one point the fitness talks about like the 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 titans of the industry, like the most educated people and the best coaches in the world, were there having conversations. And everyone would usually be there, and that was like the draw card. But this time around, I mean, a friend were, were there talking about. It, we're like, there was almost nobody at these ones talking about these these like titans of the industry. 
but the social media growth, they were packed. Mm. So people cared more at that particular event. And there was hundreds of people there. Well, there was tens of thousands of people there, but there was hundreds of people at these, these little sit downs that cared more about their brand sure. or actual education. Yeah. Someone came to one of the stars that I was, that I was close to and I was chatting with her and I was like, oh, have you like checked out the standout over there? She goes, yeah, but I've just done all those courses. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, oh, you know, all the fitness and health courses, I've done them all. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. you're the person. You're the person that's fucking done everything in the entire world. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So it's yeah. like just people's mentality just, it shifted a lot with the rise of social media because people want, they would rather be big in there with no education versus yeah. having a good level of education and reputability and having an, a smaller following. Yeah, and it's, I guess it's funny like seeing, um, I know for, for me, my algorithm, particularly on Instagram, is social media influencers or Instagram influencers teaching you how to grow on Instagram by giving you tips on how to grow on, on Instagram. And it's like, yeah. it's just this, it's just this little cycle of like, here's how you here's how you grow your account, and they're growing their account from teaching people how to grow their account. And it's look, I mean credit to them like i like i like i get it i get it but there is definitely this big push on just needing to grow a brand without actually really too much care of what it's about or the depth of what you're teaching it's more about like use this hook template to gain people's attention and write this in there and look this way and shoot this video and whatever and it's, I guess it, it it already is, but it definitely will eventually get to a point where the the needle changes, and then something else will be required, and all of those people who only know that tactic, because like you said, there's no depth there. Like if we talk specific to the the health industry, it's same with same with every industry. They've learned all the tactics that kind of get people's attention, but now they don't get people's attention anymore. And then now they're kind of like in no man's land because there is no, there's, there's nothing else to fall on. I was even reading on that the other day about how the people who actually know what they're talking about, more often than not, they're the ones with the, the minimal amount of followers. They're the ones that no one know because they're actually putting out really good education, but they're not focused on grabbing your attention in two seconds. And, and like they're, they're not focused on that stuff. They're focused on actually giving value, but unfortunately not many people care about it yeah which is which is something that you were kind of speak, speaking about i don't know if it was before we started or, or after but it's like that's kind of the world that we're in it's that instant gratification that instant result that and i guess that's why we're also seeing levels of unhappiness in people declining as well overall like it's People sort of retribute, I think they're they're following with their worth now. Yeah. Like if someone's got a certain level of following, like, oh, they're more valuable. Sure. Now. But as we know, like your following count has absolutely nothing to do with your self-worth or even your business. People think that you've got a million followers, now you've got a million dollars, but it doesn't yeah. look quite the same. I've spoken not so long ago, earlier this year, with a with a quite well-known fitness influencer that's got a couple of million followers. We were just like talking about some random stuff and a conversation about like just Finance has come up. It was interesting. I love talking about business. Uh, fun conversation. I was like, you know, what? I was like, just out of curiosity, you know, how are you attracting the people that you attract? You know, what's your funnels look like? What's your lead magnets look like? And, you know, are you prospecting like cold outreach, cold calls? Um, are you got affiliates and all that sort of stuff? Like, oh, I just like put out content and people just come to my link, 
and, 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 and signed up to my app. I was like, is that the whole process? They're like, yeah. I was like, well, obviously people fall off. Like, I just put out more content and then just they just come around. I was like, how well are you doing? And they were like, I'm doing all right. I was like, can you tell me the number? They told me the number, which I was, I'll, I'll show you afterwards. <laughs> but well, um, they told me the number. I was just like, A, that's astronomical that you've got that amount of money coming in per month from just doing that. But B, it's crazy to see that that's your whole business model. Like, that's it. I was like, what happens if Instagram like went away or TikTok went away or YouTube went away? They'd be like, I'd have nothing then. But as you said, like some of the, some of the people that are doing really, really well on the business front are always the ones that have got a large following at all. Mm. They're focused on building a fucking business. They're yeah. focused on getting massive business growth and massive business success. Yeah. Not just my following is X. And mm. I think following definitely does have, it's almost like high school. Like the bigger you following, the more you're the popular kid at high school that sits sure. in the back of the bus and smokes, smokes a cigarette. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I always yeah. wanted to be that person. But <laughs> I, never, I never got there. I never got there. Um, uh. So like that, that's that's pretty much the way I see it. It's like the bigger the, like the following people hold this person on a pedestal. It's like, you must be like the messiah. You know everything. You're the smartest person in this particular field. Where in reality, it means absolutely nothing. Because ultimately, once you hit the lock button on your phone, you have to turn around, not to a million followers, but to a very small subset of people around you being your family. And some of those people don't have that. They have the millions of followers that you can't turn around to the people around them and be like, but I've also got 17 people around me that love me dearly because all I give a fuck about is this this little number. Yeah. Which is yeah. really fucking sad. Mm. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's a slippery slope too, right? Like it's obviously built, like taking Jeremy's example, it's obviously built to keep you coming back. And I think that, whether it's one follower or 10 followers or whatever, I mean, it's obviously for everyone kind of starts out small, right? It's like, I've got a new follower. And then it's like the next day it's like, I've got two more and then I've got five more. And all of a sudden it's like, I've got a thousand followers today. And then the next day it's like, I only got 500. Like, what am I doing wrong? Am I not good enough? Am I not pretty enough? All these, all, all of these, uh, uh, limiting beliefs come in and it's like like you said it's that identity it's that self-worth and if that's not constantly if those dope that dopamine is not constantly being released it's like i suck i suck and and meanwhile the fixation is there everything else around is not being tended to whether it's the health whether it's the um relationships or whatever it's not being tended to and so that's falling away and then this is falling away and then the it's like identity crisis zone where do you see that going especially with the rise of like ai and ultimately there's going to be an integration of artificial intelligence into all social platforms where do you see that going from the health and and mental health if i can use that word correctly like mental health of society moving forward Mm. you see that benefiting or do you see that as a as a sort of a destructive cycle inevitably going to happen? I think mental health uh, mental health is a big one just in the space because you and I can have a conversation and you can be doing really great things that I'm inspired by. Um, say you say you got a, a an acting gig and it was like the biggest one that you've ever got, and I wanted to be an actor. And we sat down, like, how'd you do it? What what was the plan? Like, what did you do? And you're like, this is what I did, X, Y, Z. Took me 10 months. This is what I did. Cool. I take that. I go, sweet. Awesome. 
But then I go on social media and I also follow 30 other actors who are giving away their secrets. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but what's he doing? And, oh, but now he's doing that. Oh, now he's doing that. No, and now he's doing that. And I think that's the biggest thing is that there's so many different people doing so many different things to get so many perceived results. Majority of them are not what people say they are. And we're playing this comparison game to think that we need to do all of that. And so our attention gets pulled in all these different directions. I speak from personal experience here, gets pulled in all these different directions. And then it's like, um, there was this analogy, I think Alex Hormozzi spoke about it. He's like, a millionaire doesn't become a millionaire um, by investing across all these different things. So they don't do that. They focus on one thing until it's overflowing and then they start to pour it out into other areas. And you mentioned Naval Ravikant. I am just started reading um, the Almanac, of- the Almanac of- on Spotify and um, I've literally only just only just started it, but um, it kind of goes through his history of what, he, what he's done. And one of his greatest milestones was would have been I don't know 2012 or something was it just, it just said invested in Uber and I was like I was like okay well if you invested a significant amount in Uber at a particular time that's you're probably going to be doing pretty good by now and so I just think it's like one thing I've learned is just to separate the noise just do what I do and do it well and keep showing up get the results to a point that then I can start to overflow into other areas to eventually get to a certain stage. And I think like, I think what Alex Hormozzi as an example puts out is so fucking valuable, but I think the most valuable stuff that he puts out is reminding people constantly that it takes time. And that's what I think is the most important thing. Um, because I know for myself, it's like, and, and he also speaks about woman in the red dress, which is a matrix, um, uh, a matrix reference and how it's, it's basically just being distracted by all different things. Because as soon as you start again at something, so you're doing this and now it's like, oh, but this is now, AI is now trending. Like, fuck, I have to make, I have to leverage this AI movement because everyone's saying it's the next big thing. Um, We're just about to come into a crypto bull run. I have to invest all of my money into cryptocurrency and all the gaming and all the the meme coins and the uh, fucking everything. And it's like, it's so distracting. And I think that over time becomes really disheartening and overwhelming and confusing and naturally makes us feel like we're not doing well um because we're constantly starting and stopping so it's like we're always at day one and it's like well fuck i've been doing this for so long and i'm nowhere but the whole point is is like stop deviating which is my greatest lesson i just think that i just think that's getting worse (laughs) like i just think i just think that is becoming more and more prevalent um on top of that, I do think that um, all of these, all of these movements and the media and how men are being taught how to be men by massive bodies that are run by women, 
all the all the while women are being empowered by feminist movements and then you've got lgbtq and all, all plus and whatever like it's i just i just think like men no longer know how to be men and men no longer understand the foundations of, of what it means to be a man society as a whole is just really out of balance um and so people are confused and i think we're also all walking on eggshells like you alluded like you said it before people are also walking working on eggshells of like i don't want to say the wrong thing and and joe rogan said it really well i don't think it was his original quote but he's like tough times breed tough men or tough people um tough people breed easy times easy times breed soft people and it's like we are definitely in that era of soft people and so and we're in tough times yeah. <laughs> right yeah and so the cycle continues and and hopefully we develop some um some thicker skin yeah. um i i don't know where it goes bro i, th- I think things do change I think, I think things do change i think things will change but i think there's going to be a lot of suffering between now and then yeah i mean ultimately you're always going to offend someone regardless of your take on anything. Yeah. You know, if I say I like dogs, but I don't like cats, so like I'm pro dogs and I hate cats and I want them all to die. I'm like, hold on a second. Yeah. I said, if you give me a choice over a dog and a cat, which would I rather have? I'd yeah. pick the dog. Doesn't mean I hate cats. You're basically like, saying, fuck cats. <laughs> I don't have any animals. Yeah. Way, except for my partner. <laughs> and my baby, who's yeah. a little fucking demon. Um, you know, so, so it's it's so difficult. So if you pretend to be one thing and you're not really that thing because you're so afraid of offending someone, even by being that unauthentic person or inauthentic person, you're going to offend somebody doing that. Mm. So you might as well just be yourself. At least you're being true to yourself. At least you've been authentic. And ultimately, yeah. I'm, I just don't care about offending people. Not, not that I'm like being a purposeful dick about it. I just understand that if I'm just my true self, I know people aren't going to dig that. And that's absolutely fine because guess what? They'll just keep going on their journey, which yeah. has nothing to do with my journey. But on my journey, I'll attract the people into my life that, that resonate and agree with some of my values. Not all of them. There's going to be things that we disagree, yeah. agree with, right? But we agree on, on some things and most things. We're having this conversation. But if you're always trying to impress everybody and you're always trying to please everyone, you end up just never pleasing yourself. And then yeah. if that's the case, you're living a pretty, pretty lonely life because you're trying to live something that's not even really truly you. And if you're mm. trying to do that for too long, you end up losing yourself. And then of course you're going to start to go down into anxiety and depression and things like that. Cause you're trying to get away from who you truly are at your core. Yeah. And as you said, that yeah. there's lots of different things, especially media doesn't help. They're just throwing things in your face. That's why I like the Japanese so much. It's almost like they can just part ways with things and just focus on this singularity. So it's just like, just focus on the single goal. That's why I think mm. creating core values and, and core beliefs around yourself and things that you just, there are almost like the non-negotiable, this is what I truly believe or who I want to be. But mm. having a goal that is just so big and altruistic, that's why I like Alex Omosa, where he said, there's something just so big that's going to take me a real long time to get there. And I have to have so much focus and discipline. Me with acting, it's going to take a real long time to get there. But yeah. that is the only thing that kind of guides me. And for him, it's like, it's uh, obviously growing his, his companies and, and investing and being a billionaire and things like that. Having that goal allows you to say no to so many things. Mm-hmm. Mark Zuckerberg actually had a really cool thing that he said. He, I think it was, oh, what's his guy's name? No, something. I forgot his fucking name. It was like the 30th employee at Facebook or something. No, Kagan. Um, 30th employee at Facebook. And he came to Mark Zuckerberg in his relatively early days 
with this idea that was going to earn them billions. It was going to be a monstrous idea. And he said, here's how we'll integrate it. And was like, cool, tell me more about it. And he's told him all the process and he's figured everything out, exactly how they would integrate, exactly how it would work, blah, blah, blah. And Mark Zuckerberg just simply said, does this help us grow? And what he meant by that is like, does this help us achieve our vision? And it was a no. And although this idea was going to earn them billions of dollars, they just took it completely off the table. Yeah, right. So, and that was a guy, this has been a guy like for me, is like, it's just, because I know the, the focus, the big altruistic goal, because I know that once I achieve that, all the other knock-on effects that I can have, those almost like waterfall ripple effects to other areas and helping more and more and more people, if that's the big goal, then everything else just fails. Everything else is a no. And it's a very simple, and it's a very easy no, if that's the sole question. Mm. Does this help me achieve that? Does this help me grow? Whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And everything else fails in comparison, including this negative toxic person in my life, including this person trying to influence me to, to, yeah. to do this or to change my identity or to conform to this new way of thinking or whatever it might be. It's like, does this help me grow? I was like, no, it doesn't. I fuck it. I don't care. Mm. Does this, does it doesn't even matter mm. in the short term. And I think that's what we do because all these things that are coming into our life, whether it's like COVID and all these other things of like, you know, men can't be men anymore and blah, blah, blah. It's like all these things could be seen as potentially like just distractions. It's just like, if you just took them out yeah. and you just kept going towards your thing. Yeah. Ultimately that, that that's, that's the passion of the purpose that mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out along the way that's going to unveil itself. But if you've been distracted by too many different things, you're never going to achieve anything. Look yeah. at the social media thing that I've started to do and I found quite beneficial is that I'll take the areas and I'm still doing it. At one point I was following 1,888 people like, I don't know any, I'm barely any of these people. I was like, who the fuck am I following? You know? Yeah. And what am I getting out of this? Sure. And does it help me? Does it help me grow? And if it doesn't, I'm like, I need to take all these people out. So I just basically mm. just give myself like pillars of like here, the, like, there's pillars of like health and fitness, business, uh, philosophy, like acting. I think that's like, like my four or five. And I just go, okay, I'm only allowed to follow 10 people in each of these. That's it. I've given myself a limit. No more than 10. doesn't matter what they're doing. If I follow an 11, I've got to take someone off the table. Mm. And that's the only thing that matters. And I did that to try and just focus my attention more. It's like, if I'm going to try, because ultimately I think identity comes from lots of different things. It's from a little bit of this person, a little bit of that person. And that amalgamates into the person we kind of, our experiences to who we are. Yeah. Unless you're like a nobody in a cave somewhere. Then you're probably your truest form mm. of your truest self because you've got no one else to talk to except from the rock. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> If if that's the case and I'm the average of the five people I spend most time with, most of the people's time, most of the people that we spend time with are is actually on social media. It's not mm. in person for a lot of people. So it's like, well, if I can narrow that down, and I don't spend a lot of time scrolling, but if I can narrow that down and I'm only taking this information from this small subset of 50 people, if you did five, 25 people, then mm. those are the people I'm kind of learning from versus yeah. trying to go all the way out here and like, yeah. fuck me, there's too much here. And you just conf- consolidate that and go, these are the people that I believe the most in, my men- my mentors almost. And this is the kind of the path that's going to unveil because I like what they're saying. Mm. It aligns with my current belief system. Great. And I'm going to learn from this person. And yeah. hopefully that keeps me on a bit more of a truer path rather mm. than getting lost in the noise a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's, 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 again, so simple, but how good does it? It never feels not good to just do a detox of whether it's social media, like whether it's physically cleaning a space or whatever, decluttering always always feels great. You spoke about, you were speaking a little bit about the acting and then you were speaking about like these big, these one big goals. Now for you, 
A-list actor. Um, I want to be The Rock, but... You want to be the, the rock. Middle Eastern version of the rock. The Middle Eastern UK gypsy version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, the brown gypsy. Oh, the brown the rock. gypsy yeah. of the rock. Um, well, I mean, that probably answers my question. But like, when when you envision like what that is, like what is that? Like the alias actor, yes. But like, what's in that vision? So I think that there's a few things. I think there definitely is like the phil- philanthropic angle, but there's also like, I'm, I'm not shied away from that. I want to make money. Like money is freedom in our life. People shy yeah. away from that a lot. Hey, money is the root of all evil. I'm just like, I think poverty is the root of all, root of all evil because poor people will do some real dumb shit that rich mm. people just don't do and don't even think about. Yeah. So I think everyone should, I'm is this, I think everyone should just get rich. I was like, because mm. being rich solves a lot of problems. Yeah. It solves yeah. a lot of stresses in terms of overheads and financial stresses and buying food and putting shelter on your family's head. It really does. But those those same people that will talk down about it still want to go on a lovely holiday. Still mm. want to have a nice car to drive. Like, where the fuck do you think it comes from? It comes from any money. You know, so I ultimately, I, I do want to create financial and generational wealth for my family, even if... Four decades down, four decades, four generations down, my great, great, great granddaughter pisses it all away. That's okay with me. I'm like, that's your choice. It was dumb that you've done it. And it doesn't matter because I'm not here anymore. But all the other people that are around it, I'll get to enjoy it for a good period of time because I know what it's like to have zero money. And that fucking sucks. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So I'd rather have a lot of money and be able to solve most of the problems that we're, that we get in, in, in today's like sort of day and age with like things like inflation and, and not knowing how to budget and mm. all these things that, and COVID and all these things that just sort of come that you just can't plan for. So there definitely is like a wealth component to it, but also there's the, there's an artistic component. Like I want to be, I get there because it's the thing that I feel will challenge me the most. I'm, I'm curious about the industry. I generally, generally just really love the movies and one of the reasons is that if we I don't know if we've done this before but we'll we'll do it now um close your eyes audience close your eyes I'm not I'm not gonna come and steal your wallet the gypsy is not here with me today think back to the last movie or show that you watched that you really loved Now think about what moment in that particular movie or show made you feel happiness, love, sadness, joy, anger, frustration, where you really connected with that individual. And then think about the people that were around you when you were watching that, whether you were by yourself, with a partner, with someone that you were seeing, just with your pets. And then think about how that particular moment related to your life. I may have related to your life to unveil a particular sadness that you're already feeling about something that you're potentially afraid to accept it may have unveiled joy because you were watching the movie or you were in a, in a good place at the cinema with the people that you love that you wanted to spend time with. It may have inspired you to look at your own life and think about how to do things differently 
or how to change a thought process. It might have been a movie that you have seen before that you watch because it's a rainy day or that you're feeling upset or you just need escapism or a little bit of inspiration. Those moments for me are why I want to act. Mm. And that movie that you just thought about might not be that specific one, but something that you've seen. You will share stories with your closest friends about that forever. Everyone's got like a couple of movies that they constantly like reference with friends or like mm. little things here and there. Mm. And they'll do that. And remember, the, for me, it's Harry Potter. Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, things of that nature, because I'm a geek. But I think the first Harry Potter came out in 2001. So I think I, think I was 11. And we, me and a couple of my good friends still reference that today and we probably continually will. And it's just the memory that we're able to share. Mm. So being an actor, that's a moment that I want to be able to do to inspire people, to be able to go when they're having a bad day, where they just need a little bit of something or something uplifting or inspiration, they go and turn on the movie that I'm the actor in. Like I need to watch him in that movie because mm. I just need whatever it might be. Mm. And then if we're thinking about philanthropically, the, the greater... The, the, I guess the level and the status of actor, because let's not be lost. We look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like status is important in, in society. Like we all look at people like the Rock, Matt Wahlberg, Ryan Rails, for example, the, a few of the biggest, and we put them on a pedestal. We, we don't know these people, but we look at the stuff that they do and we're inspired by it and we want to get involved with that. At the Rock Tomorrow was just like, I'm launching this health and fitness app or I'm doing this philanthropic event. People will, like the people of Maui thing that he's, that he's uh, launched, like they generated millions of dollars in donations because it was him and Oprah that said it. So they're able to influence positively yeah. from, from the top. So I think that's, that's something that I'm, that I'm looking forward to be able to do is be able to take the things, not that I can achieve everything and help everybody, but I can help a lot of people from that level and be able to inspire and help organizations that I believe in that I want to be able to, attention towards and then we're looking at generational wealth money is cool because you get to do cool things with it and i get to if i just think locally with just my small subset of friends and family i get to go and experience adventures with those guys mm. like that's cool as hell but then also we spoke about the uh, touched on like investing as well like naval investing in uber in uber it's like investing in these companies they're able to prolong life they're able to you know, decrease carbon emissions or whatever it might be, but able to, to have that capital to be able to deploy that and go, that's fucking cool. Mm. That's a cool. I think I'll do a lot of good for the world. Here we go. Like I can get involved with that and then use my A-list status to help push that and push attention towards the things that, that I believe in mm. as well. So there's like a few different angles and I'm kind of, they all give me, I guess, the drive and like curiosity to keep wanting to, to like go there mm. and achieve it. And it's challenging too. Like it's really fucking hard. Like it's a difficult industry as we spoke about. Like I'm on the journey still. I'm not got there yet, but I know inevitably that I will get there. And Alex Homo said, it's like the bigger the goal, the longer you're generally going to have to wait. Mm. If you want to achieve something phenomenal, it's going to take a phenomenal amount of time and yeah. a phenomenal amount of effort along the way and a phenomenal amount of failures too. Like it's mm. all going to be fucking really difficult if you want to really achieve something massive. But as long as you do not stop, you cannot fail. Mm. If I just don't stop being the one guiding light, don't stop, does this help me grow? Mm. It's kind of like that pain and pleasure thing, using both to my advantage. Yeah. Then ultimately yeah. being able to get there, 
We're pretty fucking happy with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Is he? It's going to be a cool journey. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to be at that fucking campfire. Come on. Campfire. You'll be in the campfire. I'll be in the jumbo marshmallows. And look how cool this would be. Like, and, and this is getting on the red carpet event. Let's say we got a big red carpet event, a big movie that's opening or open up in Sydney. I get to call all the people that I love, like yourself in that, and be like, hey, do you want to come to a red carpet event? And I'd be like, fucking what? Like, how, <laughs> just how cool would that be? You get to come and mingle with like A-list stars and yeah. people get to experience it that they may never have experienced before. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's just cool. And I think that's that's part of like having the 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 people in your life again, like journey or destination notes, the company about having those people there. Cause then you get to share those experiences. Yeah. You don't need anything. There's no like, Oh, well, if you do this for me, I'll do that for you. It's just like, no, nah, I'm just yeah. going to do this. Why? Cause it's just a, it's just a nice fucking thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think in today, today's day, it's kind of like, if you do this for me, what do I get for it? Oh, do you know what I mean? There's always like a transference of value there. It's kind of like, no, just go do something that like you don't open the door for an old lady. Cause you're like, yeah. hey old lady let's go I open the door like, you just don't do that right you just do the good thing so sure. people go on podcasts and I know people make like like money and stuff like that from, from going on shows but when I was doing my show I everybody that came on was, was free and some of these people were pretty high profile people at the time and they're big high profile people now and there was only like one person like cool here's my fees I was just like what I was like I'd never heard of that before mm-hmm. in my life but for me I'm kind of like just that, I think it's just one of those things. You, I think podcasts should be like just be free. Do you know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. just come and I'm pretty sure Gary Vee doesn't charge for his podcast episodes either. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he just goes and does them for free. I, I think like podcasts is just one of those things that you just do sure. for nothing. Yeah, yeah. Like get the business inside of him and I get, I get all that. I just don't yeah. agree with it. I'm just kind of like, like mm-hmm. just putting it on, on record that I'll do podcasts for free forever. <laughs> you know, I mean? like even when I'm a big A-list actor. Yeah. It's really yeah. fun. I think it's just a, a cool way of, Having a good conversation, it's just human connection. You don't have to pay for human connection. Yeah, you know? yeah. Nice. Love it, bro. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you as always. Until next time.